You're listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about the agreement between computed tomography and exploratory laparotomy in dogs with surgical disease with our guest, Julia Sebi. Welcome to Veterinary Vertex. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Associate Editor Sarah Wright. Today, we have a surgeon, yay, joining us today, Julia. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right, let's dive right in. Julia, can you share with our listeners what they can expect from your JAPMA article? Yeah. Um, so it's, I like to think of it as pretty simple. Um, but in terms of, you know, when you expect abdominal or surgical abdominal disease in the dog, um, you know, your best friends are going to be imaging. So usually we think of radiography or um, abdominal ultrasound. Um, but those, of course, have limitations. And so when feasible and when available, um, a lot of clinicians are turning to abdominal CT. Um, it's shown to be more sensitive for finding mechanical obstructions, for diagnosing pancreatic insulinoma, um, for monitoring response to therapy for various neoplasias. So there's a bunch of research out there that shows its superiority. Um, and, you know, every time I do a surgery, an exploratory laparotomy, um, or every time I enter into the abdomen, I've been taught to do a full exploratory laparotomy. So look at the liver, look at the whole GI tract, look at the kidneys, adrenals, urinary bladder, gallbladder. Um, but my mentor last year um, had sort of a different idea and was like, we, we did a pre-op CT, you don't have to do that. Um, and I was like, huh really? Uh, and I looked to see if there was any research published about sort of the agreement between, you know, an abdominal CT and an exploratory laparotomy. And there isn't, there's some looking at, you know, abdominal ultrasound and exploratory laparotomy, but none looking at actual CT. Um, and so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to look at the agreement and say, okay, I'm, um, you know, if, if the patient fits, um, and you're sure about the diagnosis and you're sure about your surgical plan, do you really need to explore the whole abdomen um, each time if you do this really sensitive preoperative imaging diagnostic? It's going to be super helpful for our practitioners because I do feel like more and more clinics are getting CT or at least using the portable CTs. So I think this is really, really good practical information. Yeah. And then what were some of the important insights from this article? Um, I mean... Again, we, we kind of already know that CT is sensitive, right? Um, but I think a lot of the things that I learned as, you know, someone who wants to be a surgeon is, oh, I'm going to have to learn a lot about, you know, radiology and imaging writing this. Um, and so I, I learned about a lot about the CT that we used at the institution, um, you know, what the beam pitches and how many you know, phases and studies there are, um, which generally I, I don't think about as much. Um, and I learned a lot about radiological error too. You know, there's non-error discrepancies where something just precludes you from actually visualizing it in the CT scan versus actual, you know, human error, which can be 
perceptive or cognitive and you know we're um there's so many biases uh that um you know can affect ct imaging and so i think as a surgeon sometimes i i look at the radiology report and i'm like yep they know what they're talking about <laughs> um but there's so many things that can lead to different results um and just realizing that was important um and we actually had a radiologist look at um, the cases that disagreed with our exploratory laparotomy. Two of them, she found the lesion, so that was you know more so human error versus one she she couldn't find it. And so there are still limitations, even if you use you know the perfect settings for this very sensitive pre-op imaging, you might miss it. So Leah, as a veterinary surgeon, we're still quite broadly trained. What sparked your research, at least your research interest, in surgical abdominal disease? Um, yeah, I think it was more so um, just that question that my sort of attending asked me is, you know, why, why do we have to explore this? And I'm like, because people told me to. <laughs> um, and I, I think that it sort of made me realize that I, I can question things more. Um, you know, as a, a baby surgeon or a vet student, you're, you're told things and you're more likely to accept them because you've never done it yourself. Whereas now, you know, I'm three years out of vet school I'm, I'm doing things myself. And so I can think about questioning things and become more curious. Um, and so it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, I'm very, very interested in the abdomen. Um, it was more just, you know, we've been doing this for so long. Um, something as old as an exploratory laparotomy, do we, do we still have to do it if we have this very sensitive imaging done? Um, so it was more just questioning something and then making sure that I had data to back up what I was actually doing. Yeah, it's um, it's one thing really to be receptive to like, wow, that's an interesting question. But what really inspired you to then go dig back and, and write this manuscript? Yeah, um, I mean, as as a surgical intern, obviously, I, I always want to have something that I'm working on and um, some kind of research or some kind of question that I'm I'm trying to answer um, for my residency application, of course. Um, and also, I think the fact that it, it was interesting to me um, that there was no published data on it. Um, it's, it's a very sort of simple question, like, okay, how much agreement is there between an abdominal CT and surgery? I thought I was going to have a bunch of hits. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, that's sort of the nature of veterinary research is that you kind of get to be the one to do that. Um, and so it, it, it's such a simple and practical question. And I think sometimes I get stuck in the sort of nitty gritty of research and I get lost. And it was a topic that is, you know, I always had the, the full picture in my head. And it was something that I, I thought would, again, you know, appeal to surgeons, but also general practitioners who, you know, can do a smaller approach for cystotomies or you know, space or pyometras, whatever you have going on, um, and potentially, you know, decreased anesthetic time, decreased atrogenic 
risk or manipulation and cause less pain in a smaller incision if possible. So Julia, we have a question for you. Have you heard about our journal awards? No. So we have this really cool awards program and it's for students and house officers. So interns and residents. And if you author a manuscript in JAVMA or HAVR, you can be nominated. And then if you win, there's a monetary prize, you get social media promotion, um, you get a certificate. So it's a really cool opportunity. We highly encourage you to ask someone to nominate you. Um, or self-nominate. Yep. Self-nominate as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know about that. So I definitely will. Yeah. We can send you the link after this, but cool. yeah. So speaking of advanced training, how did your advanced training prepare you to write this manuscript? Yes, I, I think that being someone who is interested in, interested in becoming a surgeon, you know that you're going to have a long road. Um, you know that you're going to have to do at least a surgical internship, potentially two, which I'm doing. Um, and so because of that, I've worked with so many different surgeons, you know, from that school to my rotating to my surgical internships and all of them are so different there are so many ways to do things and again I think this comes back to the fact that um you know as a vet student you're told sort of this is the way um and of course there's there's other ways but we like to do it this way here um and so being to so many different places I've I've just realized that Everyone kind of comes up, the principles are the same, of course, of surgery, but everyone finds their own way that works for them. And I really, that's what I love about surgery too. I think it makes it sort of this, like brings in this creative component um, where you can do what's best for the patient, but also what's best for you and that you can do, you know, the best job that you can. Um, And so again, I think it, comes back to me being able to question things, you know, seeing people do things so differently makes me question, okay, why are they doing it this way and someone else doing it this way? And which way do I want to do it? Or do I want to come up with the new way that works best for me that's still safe for the patient? Um, And then I think that sort of leads into research too is just questioning things as the basis of research and um, realizing that you can change things um, and and come up with new ways to do things because that's what people have been doing forever. Um, and just working with so many different clinicians and surgeons, I'm, I'm slowly realizing that. Um, I can sort of make things my own as long as the principles stay the same. And this next set of questions is really important for our listeners. What is one piece of information the veterinarian should know before discussing this topic with a client? I think that, of course, remembering to treat every patient like the individual they are. You know, I'm not telling you to skip every exploratory laparotomy. If you have a preoperative CT scan, of course, if you're, you know, confused or concerned about something, things aren't seeming um, right, or it's not super straightforward, of course, explore the abdomen, make sure everything looks normal and feels normal. Um, So you have to make sure that you are um, choosing your patient's wisely. Um, This is for straightforward cases. It's also for cases where 
um, you know, maybe they're not doing well under anesthesia and you need to go quickly and you say, okay, I'm going to skip the explore, but it makes me feel better that there's this published data that I probably wouldn't have found anything else. Um, and so just, just making sure that, you know, you're, you're choosing your patients wisely and treating all of them as, as individual cases. And then on the other side of the relationship, what is one piece of information the client should know about abdominal CT for surgical disease? Yeah, I, um, I mean, I, I feel like I, I talked about this before, but of course there's always, you know, there is, we found that there is a 3% chance that we could miss something. Um, and so there's always that chance that, you know, you could not explore the abdomen and then maybe you know, prognosis, diagnosis, or surgical plan would have changed. And as long as they know that, um, and they know that the doctor is, of course, choosing the patient um, wisely and feels very good about their diagnosis and surgical plan, um, then I think it's, it's you know, fair to, to skip it. Yeah, Julie, you talked earlier about the long road to advanced training, not just surgery, but medicine and radiology that we're talking about as well. It takes grit and determination. Where do you think your resilience and determination came from? I think two things. One would definitely be my parents. Um, they instilled in me at a very young age that determination, persistence is really important. Um, and that you know, all you can do is keep going. And, you know, if you don't get a residency this time, just keep working hard and you'll, you'll hopefully get one next time. And then I think the second thing is that I um, have been a dancer since I was six. And so that's something that is, requires so much dedication and time and determination and work um, it's a, it's a craft and it's something that you sort of reach for perfection, but never really get to, which is why it's kind of fun. Um, and that's, that's kind of what surgery is too. Um, and so I, I often say that surgery reminds me of dance in a way, um, and that I, I really owe dance. It's the reason why I am the way I am. Um, and I am so persistent and driven. Or maybe you were a good dancer because you were persistent and driven. <laughs> Who knows which one came first? <laughs> As we're winding down a little bit, our listeners and Sarah and I love this question. What is the oldest or the most interesting item in your desk drawer? So I, I have a weird one. Um, I have uh, some juggling balls in my desk drawer. Um, uh, during COVID, when uh, my vet school sort of sent us home and we did online classes, you know, there's only so much time you can practice suturing on a towel. So I decided to pick up another skill and I taught myself juggling. Um, it wasn't great, but it was fun. And it was something I, I just wanted to like work with my hands and, you know, keep my motor skills up. Um, and I actually pulled them out a couple months ago and Still got it. The finesse is not there, but <laughs> I can work on it. Do you have them with you now? <laughs> yeah. Can we see them? <laughs> Wait, let me get 
to our listeners, Julia is going to grab the juggling balls, <laughs> put her skills to the test. They came in this nice little pouch. <laughs> your dog's watching you, Julia. Has your dog been the victim of a couple drop juggling balls by any chance? <laughs> okay, I don't. I really haven't practiced in a while, so this could go really badly. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing it to our listeners. Julia is juggling. It's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing, Julia. We appreciate it. <laughs> and just thank you again for taking the time to be here today and for contributing your manuscript too to JAPMA. Of course, it's my pleasure. And to our listeners, you can read Julia's manuscript and print JAPMA on our journal's website. I'm Sarah Wright with Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to.